we've tinkered with our profiles on LinkedIn, ideally. We've built or assembled these professional communities that most folks call a network. But now there's this disconnect into looking at names and thumbnails on a screen and for lack of a better term, converting them into meaningful business dialogue. How does that happen? Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, J.D. J.D., thank you so much for being here with us today. Is this where I say thanks for having me, Michelle? Yes, it is. Thanks for having me. Well done. Michelle. Good. (laughs) So give us kind of a brief overview of who you are and what you do for business. Boy, summarizing myself has really become my own personal national pastime at this stage of the game. Uh, So much work online with branding and marketing. Uh, I greet you and your listeners, viewers from Chicago, Illinois, USA. Um, I've run a company here called Owlish Communications. Uh, But since 2006, I have been engaged uh, primarily, uh, exclusively, in the LinkedIn space uh, as one of the world's first independent LinkedIn consultants. And as we sit here and tape today, I'm entering my 17th year in business. Wow, congratulations, that's awesome. Well, thank you. So what made you decide to pick LinkedIn as a thing? Very serendipitous uh, at a time when so many people were were taking a general overview perspective of the platforms, the, the social platforms, the emerging technologies, if you will. Uh, I, I saw something in LinkedIn. It was unique and enigmatic at the time to me, and it was around the business conversation. And back in the day, LinkedIn had uh, primarily the brand of a job seeker site. So it was going up against the career.coms and the monster.coms of the world. Uh, Who would have thought it would turn into this behemoth of business development? And I just saw something spectacular about this. I I loved it. Just the way that I'm hardwired, I, I gravitated to it right away, created my profile literally the moment that I saw LinkedIn started filling out the fields back in the day, it was kind of a crude representation of what it is today, but just never shut up about it. And a natural affinity, love at first sight. Nice. I love it. So how how do you work with people? Who, who do you work with and how do you do it? Well, uh, great question. Great breakout room question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I mean, isn't that one where they send you, they send you off in the 15 minute breakouts? <laughs> Who's your ideal client? You know, I cringe at it a little bit because I'm not really sure I have the makeup down on my ideal client, but I do know that psychographically, the people that I work best with where the, the alignment and the fit is, is people who are betting on themselves to win. They recognize the importance of personal branding. They certainly want to do the deepest dive possible on LinkedIn, and I'm there for them uh, to engage in that. But they truly want to learn how the instrument works and what it takes to succeed. Uh, Many of my clients are in some phase of a rebrand at at this stage of the game, coming up to three years inside of a, a global pandemic. So we've all been kind of shifting our values, shifting our service offerings, shifting our expertise, and... Uh, LinkedIn is kind of a place to absorb all that and and people want to communicate and better yet articulate their value. LinkedIn has become that medium. So I've really adjusted my own uh, personal methodology of, of how I work with folks. And uh, it's all about curating the best of the best elements of their story, piecing together a compelling narrative and putting them out there on LinkedIn to win. 
Nice. I love it. So you're working with employees and sales and entrepreneurs and basically if you have entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, physicians, Mm -hmm. uh, people who are uh, high performing executives, leaders, uh, yes, entrepreneurs, risk takers. I think the the risk taking personality on LinkedIn uh, is a uh, a good sign because th- there is some risk associated with putting yourself out there to be consumed by by the masses or certainly by your constituents and uh, people who want to be front and center within their their communities. So physicians is a curious one. How does I wouldn't have thought. Well, then again, I'm not American. <laughs> I would have thought that physicians would have needed to do social media. I come from a healthcare background and, and truthfully, I grew up talking to doctors. I've been speaking to physicians since I was a kid. And when I first got to the LinkedIn space, there were no docs out there. It was just a market that uh, did not appeal to them. And because of HIPAA and confidentiality requirements, they really couldn't expose too much of themselves on LinkedIn. And they, Mm -hmm. they certainly weren't going to be able to uh, collect uh, patient testimonials, but more and more, the doctors have been streaming into LinkedIn. And there are a couple factors have contributed to that. One is uh, excessive physician burnout. And I I don't think you need me to remind you or anyone else that healthcare has taken its toll on the people who work in it. Uh, it, it. It has been a really rough uh, pandemic for them. They're, they're like military heroes at this point, the way that that they kind of maneuver about their days and dispensing what they were trained to do. Uh, and more and more becoming entrepreneurs. They uh, are, are looking for a life outside the examination room. Uh, they're becoming authors, speakers, consultants, coaches. They want to do uh, corporate wellness programs, or they want to be medical advisors to startup companies. So uh, I'm there helping them with this rebrand and getting them ready for a LinkedIn audience. Nice. I like it. Well, and it brings up the question of dentists for me, because Mm -hmm. I know that once upon a time, uh, it was in the association's code that they couldn't advertise, which I still think is really silly. I'm assuming that has changed with the advent of social media and that more more of them are getting out and having accounts and allowing people to see what they do and What's your experience on that? Absolutely. And uh, I, prior to coming to LinkedIn, I was in the medical dental profession. And in a past life, I wrote disability income policies for physician and dentists in the insurance business. And uh, I was the guy, the guy that they kind of dumped on late in the day and uh, telling me about all the frustrations of, of medicine or dentistry. And, and burnout in the dental profession is very high. A lot of pressure, a lot of competition. Uh, I mean, on any given street uh, in in the world, you'll find a couple of dentists. Like anything else, it's become a relationship business, although they are also care providers. And it's based on uh, the level of familiarity and trust. Uh, and they're brick and mortar folks. Uh, they don't, dentists don't work online. There's uh, teledentistry is really tough. They got to go in there into your mouth in a confined <laughs> space and kind of figure out what's going on to, what, to, to help you. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, Swallow eventually maybe <laughs> there'll be some AI component to dentistry, but, but dentists, um, they didn't get a lot of practice management in dental school. The younger dentists are coming out with a little bit of a better understanding of how to run a practice, but mm-hmm. they certainly didn't give much thought to personal branding. 
And now you see the same thing. We see dentists that want to be players in their industry. They are uh, around some aspect, maybe in the Invisalign area or uh, reconstructive dentistry or new advances, new innovations in, uh, in, in helping people smile their best. So, and then some also have left dentistry to pursue other things. They've, they've become business people. And I, I think it's just, they, they too have been affected by this great migration, this, this great pivot. Very cool. So are you seeing the same kind of trends kind of across industries? Because I know that once upon a time, you know, the trades guys would mm-hmm. depend on just kind of going out, putting up a sign, putting a sign in the truck. And <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. And if you see us, you know, call us. Uh, are they- well, I, I see a lot of people just really not producing linear paths in their careers. Um, when, when I was a youngster, you had a kind of a, uh, an idea of what you wanted to be when you finger quotes grow up <laughs> and whether or not you achieve that, there were distractions along the way. Maybe you gravitated to other areas of academic study, but, but nowadays I don't think we see much continuity in people's career arcs. Um, mm-hmm. uh, everyone that I'm working with has a nonlinear trajectory. Now, maybe they've been in the corporate world for a while, but there were breaks. Um, uh, many, many women uh, took time out to become moms. And this was back before you could work virtually. Uh, this was, you know, they had to raise their children and they, they took a break from corporate work. And now because of the hybrid workspace and the future of work and what the workplace looks like, it's the desired outcome to Yay. work at home and contribute to a company. We Those habits are now ingrained. And I think that more and more, and you can see it with the, with the, with the Gen Zers and the millennials coming through also, mm-hmm. they, their notion of, of working for a living is definitely different than what ours was, <laughs> what mine was yeah. as, a, as a card-carrying baby boomer. And this demographic shift is is really playing out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has gotten much younger, uh, much more varied, much more broad-based. People from all walks of business, literally just chiseling out their own lives. Nice. I love it. So talk about to me about risk. What does that mean to you? And what does it mean to people putting a profile up on LinkedIn? Well, there are a lot of people that are, are really sticklers for privacy and security in, in in this age, this social media age. And it's hard to believe, Michelle, that we're, we're not quite a generation into social media. Uh, wow. The social media revolution is almost 20 full years old. And even people who are in it, like myself at the start, the, the early adopters, uh, I've seen how the social science is playing out on all of this. And I work with people that are very gun shy, many of them, about mm-hmm. creating content, things that a lot of us would take for granted. Uh, they don't like to speak in over-the-top testimonial terms about themselves. They don't mm-hmm. self-promote, uh, but they know that they have to toot their own horn. They have to get their word out there because it's a very cluttered, hyper-competitive world out there. Mm-hmm. So easing people into the notion of being themselves, being autonomous, finding a voice, what I call individuating on, on LinkedIn is a huge piece of, of moving forward on the site and becoming effective. If you follow everyone else, it may not work for you. So I, 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 I do espouse the notion of developing, cultivating a LinkedIn style, finding a manner of expressing oneself that's comfortable for you. Oh, and what, what kind of 
contributing factors might there be for somebody to consider as to what that might look like? Well, it, I think that it, for the most part, it means putting your eyes on the site, critically thinking your way through each user session and figuring out how do I acculturate into this thing? What's my place in the online world? How do I, how do I find clients? How do I, how do I generate the type of, of, of activity that's going to lead to business? And I think mm -hmm. that's the next big piece in all of this is that we've tinkered with our profiles on LinkedIn. Ideally, we've built or assembled these professional communities that most folks call a network. But now there's this disconnect into looking at names and thumbnails on a screen and, for lack of a better term, converting them into meaningful business dialogue. How does that happen? And for me, that's where I work with my clients is on that nurturing and that messaging and getting folks to kind of come alive out of the device and, and be a real world presence. And, and, and I think that's where, that's where the two worlds meet. I call it breaking the plane between the virtual and the, and the real worlds. And once you can seamlessly do that, that's where LinkedIn becomes fun. And when you can really assert yourself in your own way, your own style, that's when it becomes enjoyable. Nice. So are, is there a difference between somebody that runs a B2C company or a B2B company? If they're looking specifically for, you know, executives, I'm thinking that somebody's going to have an assistant that does all their stuff. So are their eyes really on <laughs> their profile? And are they really going to kind of get that attention? Whereas I know yeah. on Facebook, like, Everybody pretty much does their own Facebook, except for the posts. <laughs> People get bored and they scroll and they're looking for cats playing pianos. That hasn't changed, I don't think, in 2020. Well, years. you know, those <laughs> those piano playing cat videos are on LinkedIn, I hate to say it. Link, LinkedIn is become, it's looking well, more like Facebook every day. Yeah, I mean, wow. there are people who put these videos up for maybe a distraction. Uh, but, uh, but on the other side, it's it's a business site and there's a certain gravitas to LinkedIn. And I think if you're going to be taken seriously as a professional, mm -hmm. you should post professionally. You should professionalize your presence on the site. And you do this at the level of the profile. You do it in how you comport yourself uh, on the homepage. If you're going to weigh in and provide comments on posts and it's how you engage uh, on a one-to-one -one or the direct messaging level. Uh, I, I see people stepping in it every day on LinkedIn. I, I can't for the life of me imagine why in the hell they would post what they're posting. I, I, I don't see it converting. I mean, sometimes it gets hundreds, if not thousands of likes, but LinkedIn isn't a site where you do it for the likes. You, you do it to heighten awareness of your brand, of, of your skill sets, of your areas of expertise. And ideally you attract the right people to you and, initiate conversations from, from that ground zero and not just cold approaching people and trying to slam a sales pitch down their throat. Right. So what kind of things engage in conversations on LinkedIn? What kinds of things are good to engage on? Well, well you know, it seems the more irreverent people get, the, you know, the more they're trying to ruffle feathers. Sometimes those posts go on for weeks. Um, and, and I observe them. I take but do they convert? Hard to say. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't see how they possibly could. I mean, for gosh sakes. I mean, you know, right. content is content, and it's a great line of conversation here, Michelle. So, so if we were like a, if we were a physician or physicians listening to this and going, okay, so what do I post? You know, obviously they're not going to post about. Well, 
Okay, I'll just leave it to you. What do they? What could they post, and what kind of the ideas come? Well, to how much time you got? I mean, <laughs> it, it's a, it's as vast as a canyon at times because it, it depends on uh, on how you slash the physician slash anyone wants to be perceived. If 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 you want to be known for something, whether mm -hmm. it is a particular skill, an area of expertise, you're architecting a platform, you've written a book, you're launching a nine module online course, you have a podcast, you want a guest on podcasts, you're doing a live TV show. All of these things have different content initiatives associated with it. So mm -hmm. on the one hand, it's going to be self-promotional. Look, we're, we're people as products on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. We have to toot our own horns. So it, you're going to put yourself out there, ideally in a way that's palatable, what I call artful. Artful self-promotion is the key to LinkedIn effectiveness. And you attract people who kind of want to opt in with you. And that's everybody's challenge. Everybody's doing something. Everybody's got this platform to change the world. They've got, they've got, they've honed a unique perspective. They have this skill set or that skill set. But how you go about communicating it on LinkedIn, it varies with everybody. That's where the risk piece comes in again. And you just have this, this kind of melting pot, for lack of a better word, of, of communication styles that are kind of dripping through on the homepage. And you, you connect with people who impress you. you. You try to create something out of nothing, which is all I've ever done on LinkedIn. How the hell did I know where I was going back in 2006 <laughs> when I saw this? I had no instruction manual. I was just going by feel and I was improvising my way through every single day, every single interaction. I still am, by the way. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm saying right now. And I'm as interested <laughs> to hear as you as what comes out of my mouth next. Right, I know that feeling. <laughs> Especially as I'm interviewing, going, wow, what's gonna come up now? So when you say artful communication, is there a, like, does it, if somebody's a professional, they want to have a professional image, do they have to have professionally done headshots and videos and things like that? Or is, can there be, you know, just, hey, get on the, your phone and start doing a recording? How does that well, work? we have two separate areas there. You've got the headshot and you've got the video, which which come under the category of visual assets. And on LinkedIn, they're huge because LinkedIn has turned into a powerful visual medium. So it does behoove any LinkedIn user, especially those who are campaigning for something, be it for transactions, be it for a board seat, be it for a job, to have a professional head, headshot. The more you professionalize your profile, the better ground you stand on. And yes, I, I think I have seen that. That is a trend I have noticed is people are up-leveling their headshots. Uh, video is a completely different story. The cameras are so good nowadays on the phones that people are shooting their own videos uh, through their, their smartphones, but you know, there's audio issues. Uh, I'm a stickler for quality. I favor high production value if I'm producing video uh, or audio. And I've invested in that. And I think we did see that at the start of the pandemic, Michelle, where Amazon shelves were empty because people were ordering ring lights and webcams off the shelf and setting themselves up, converting their dens into a home studio. And that was, I think, the, the, the beginning of where native video started to be more of an urgency or a necessity as opposed to something that only a few people did. And now... When you look at what's going on on LinkedIn, video is the wave. If if it's not just about having a video, it's about having a good, 
compelling video that binds people to your uh, to their screens. Yeah, whatever you do, people don't get the video camera that I have because it has a real issue with lighting here. <laughs> sometimes they turn green, sometimes they turn orange, and like, thanks, Microsoft, that was awesome. Well, yeah. we're distorted <laughs> in the online world. You know, we're not face to face. We're we're only kind of like our the 1.0 versions of ourselves. And you know, when you're, it, it really drove home, especially in the early days of the pandemic, how valuable human connection is, and how important it was to meet people and still do business face to face. Now we're screen to screen. We're we're, we're staring at a quarter inch diameter piece of glass and trying to be personable, trying to sell ourselves, trying to be engaging and. And, and that ain't easy. That mm-hmm. that requires stick to itness day to day. And some people couldn't handle it. So what they do? Well, they played the Zoom fatigue card. I'm zoomed out, JD. I I don't think I have it in me for another Zoom meeting. Can we just do a phone call? And you know what? It's an endurance test now to do business in the virtual world. Well, and and I level quite up, appreciated. People. I quite appreciated that aspect of it because I mean, since about two thousand, we've been trying to get people to work virtually. And going, you don't really have to fly somewhere and go face to face. It doesn't have to happen. Yep. And it all it took the pandemic for a lot of people to see that that you just you don't have to be face to face, and that you can do a lot in virtual. And I think there's a certain etiquette, especially with LinkedIn on communication and things like that, because I know we all hate having the the spam chat (laughs) show up. We know who that is. But is there an easier way to connect with people? Because, you know, I look at it and I go, wow, I'd love to be able to sort my connections and be able to find people when I'm looking for them. And I'm going, none of that really happens on the free version of it. Are there any means or methods that people can use to be able to make it more interactive and kind of more conversational? Well, when it comes to organizing people that you meet in the online world, that's that's a challenge. And that's what the cloud is supposed to help us do. And you would think that Microsoft that purchased LinkedIn in 2016 uh, would have rolled out some kind of real easy uh, CRM feature, but that truthfully does not exist on LinkedIn right now. And I'm at the mercy of that, like anyone else, I, I don't really know the programs out there. I'm not, I'm not a guy that that clusters people into prospecting categories. I, I kind of uh, take what I receive at the moment, and mm-hmm. and I work on those relationships. And what I do like about LinkedIn, the way that I organize my communications, is their messaging center. Direct messaging is the key to the longevity of a business relationship that's formed on LinkedIn, it, it mm-hmm. gets you, it gets you rolling. It, it accelerates the dynamic. It, it really does move you forward if you know how to play it well. And I've been told that my superpower now is managing thousands of conversations at once. Wow. And, and that's truly what I do. That's, that's how you make something out of LinkedIn is you, you have to view this as, as a business. You're running your LinkedIn account like you would a, a company or an organization. And you are the CEO, you are the chief operations officer, the finance officer, the, the, the chief experience officer. I mean, you have to give people good personal brand experiences these days. I mean, you gotta show up well, uh, whether it's on a podcast, talking to cool folks like you, or being in a breakout room, being, uh, being one-on-one where you've, you've met someone at an event and Zoom is the best way to follow up. I mean, it, it saves us all wear and tear. So in terms of an easier way to do it, I'm not really sure. 
I think maybe someday they'll, we'll all be walking around with silicon chips in our brain <laughs> that we can call up people right there in our, our frontal lobe and communicate with them telepathically. Who knows? Well, if you can show us how to have a thousand conversations at once, that that in itself is pretty impressive. And I'm assuming allows for a lot more uh, conversion than, <laughs> than than not doing well, it, quite frankly, because you know, a lot of it still aren't. I'm, for the record, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying this in a boastful way, I do what other people won't or can't do on LinkedIn. And if, if mm-hmm. someone's going to say to me, JD, I've got no time for this, I know that I'm not going to do it. I, I'm going to just say, well, why are you engaging me? I, uh, I mean, <laughs> we're a short, there's no shortcut workaround or hack on LinkedIn. It, you cannot achieve an outcome, mm-hmm. whatever the, the level or magnitude of that outcome is without really being present in front of the screen. And I say that, that's a quote that's attributable to me. LinkedIn is, is like a raffle. You must be present to win. And if you want to hide behind autoresponders or delegate this to a VA or just neglect it or postpone anything on LinkedIn, you can't complain about not achieving results. It's an input equals output proposition. Very cool. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business? The favorite part of my business? Well, I could say something kind of kaleidoscopic, like every day is a different day. <laughs> and I'm I'm energized by the challenges every day. But truthfully, the idea that something can turn on a single observation is fascinating to me because LinkedIn is constantly throwing us visual stimuli. And we absorb a lot. I mean, we've we've kind of come to learn through social media and through the digital world how to process an incredible volume of information very quickly, almost unconsciously at this point. And something that you casually observe, you let your eyes go into soft focus as you're going down the homepage feed and you stumble upon something and you think to yourself, hey, I haven't spoken with that person in years or I used to work for that company. What are they doing now? And then you, you, you are prompted to do something. And that's the beauty of LinkedIn is it operates on a series of prompts, mm-hmm. always shuffling the deck and putting new people in front of you. And sometimes you, and, and I, this is the truth, the God's honest truth. You can see something that can transform your day and your career. And that's the power of the thing. And but you can't create those experiences until unless you're in front of the computer regularly figuring things out, creating situational awareness, installing yourself in situations that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Very cool. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. A Cinderella story. Um, well, I have, I, I never thought of, of the work I do as heroic. I'd like to think that I can guarantee people will grow as a result of the work we do, That, but there are no guarantees in social media. But one story in particular does bubble up. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Uh, but I did have a client who was working with a big pharmaceutical firm on the West Coast, and she saw the writing on the wall. She wanted to transition to another role, and we worked on her profile. We set her up, and 
very soon within the time that we published her profile, she got an offer and eventually accepted this offer from a company out east. Now, this, that would have been great mm -hmm. because she she told me that it hinged on the profile. The profile was responsible for her getting this offer. Nice. And that would have been great. That would have been a warm and fuzzy for me that I could you know take yeah. to the bank and it would be great. But but there was more. And she said that not only was she able to move back east, she moved back to where she grew up and the, taking the position allowed her to be near her mom who was very ill at the time. Uh -huh. So it really did have a strong personal component. And uh, she told me that a little bit after the fact, I didn't know that going in, but that was, that was a really nice thing. And that's when I realized that I may not take myself seriously, but I, I take what I do very seriously because again, that's where you drive transformation is through how you present online, how you follow up with people. The magic is in the follow up and how you step up day after day, step up, show up, follow up. Love it. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that people have kind of doing this on their own? And they're thinking, oh, my God, J.D., I need you so badly. Well, great question again. And I'm thinking that people have been taught to not boast about themselves. They also have difficulty writing about themselves and especially writing about themselves in a third person narrative, which I favor for LinkedIn profiles. So if I'm profiling a client, it's coming out of the third person. And it's coming out of what's called omniscient narrative. So I'm an omniscient, all-knowing narrator. I'm bringing in evaluations, judgments, assessments, and beliefs that only an all-knowing narrator could, could possibly share with an audience. So the, the biggest piece is the leap of faith and the trust of letting someone else tell your story. Because LinkedIn profile writing, at least the way I do it, is a very immersive piece that requires like any other type of client advisor relationship, discretion, confidentiality, they're entrusting me as stewards of their story to put them out there in a way where they will be palatable or accessible or the logical choice for the business uh, and, and be, be perceived well. And that's a responsibility. And sometimes it's a direct hit and I get it just right. No edits are necessary. Other times, JD, can we go back and maybe bring in more of this aspect of me? Or can we take this out? Can we shift this around? Can we plug and play this? You know, I'm not really doing this anymore. So for me as a journalist, I have a journalism background. It's about getting the story on someone. And it's about truly putting them out there as rock stars, but in a very believable way where they look grounded, they look believable. And they're not walking on water, that they truly are service providers, um, purveyors of knowledge, that kind of thing. Or they, they're going for a corporate job and they can fulfill the, the duties of, of, of the position. And it, it's a writing challenge to create LinkedIn profiles. A lot of folks have, have kind of jumped on the brand wagon, so to speak, and they're doing it. Mm -hmm. It's a crowded industry now, LinkedIn. Well, and you bring up a great point that I, I saw. do. It was complete you, accident. You, the whole thing was great. And I, I particularly want to drive this home because I saw a documentary on people who don't think that they have an interesting story. Mm -hmm. And 
when when somebody like you gets to take the information and then see the story, you guys have an ability that is, I, to me, it's magical to be able to take it and then go, you don't just have a story, you have a phenomenal story. People need to know this. But yeah. we're, I guess we get so used to our own stuff. It's like, well, nobody wants to know about that. And it's like, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a byproduct of, of, of how people are trying to cut through the proverbial clutter because I, I, it's become a realization, a, a learning process where if you're complacent now in the business world, you just can't get anywhere. You have to, you have to take that, that notch up and really bring yourself into conscious awareness. And if you're not creating content, you do it through a profile, you do it through reaching out, you do it truthfully by connecting with the right people. Everywhere we're going from this point on, whether it's in business or whether it's from one company to the next company, it's all contingent on our relationships. And, and you hear this, and for a lot of people, they shrug it off as a cliche, but you never know the value of your professional network until you're confronted with the urgency of using it. <laughs> right. And more and more people through the pandemic have been have, have met that urgency head on and they and they are stressed out because they feel behind. They didn't do this when they should have. And now they're they're kind of out in no man's land looking for another gig. And you know, what are you gonna do? Spray and pray a resume at the job boards? I mean, they're getting thousands and thousands of resumes for every job that's offered out there on the digital bulletin boards. Well, well they're using their relationships. And trying to find some in that's, I think that's the next future of, of all of this is, is finding an in, whether it's to get a job, to get to a decision maker, to connect with a connection who can open a door, who can make an introduction and get you to a referral alliance. I love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? I hope they want more from me. L listeners, is that true? You want more from me? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm so out there, Michelle. I'm so easily researchable. It should come as a surprise to no one that I maintain a LinkedIn account. What? And if you, and if you can spell JD, <laughs> you're halfway there. JD hey. Gershbein on LinkedIn. That's where it all starts for me. Awesome. I love it. And of course, your link will be in the show notes as well yeah. as at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. You can search JD, you can search LinkedIn, you can search all sorts of things we've been talking about and you will find him, I guarantee it. Awesome. So I get to ask you at this point, at what point in your life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? I've never worked for a, co a company, so I, I guess I knew it early on. I was in a family business for many, many years and also spent a lot of time in the classroom getting a couple of master's degrees. And when I got out in 19, well, if I say the year, it'll date myself, but what the hell, 89, <laughs> with an MBA in marketing communications, I thought nice. I, I wanted a career in advertising. And I had a, a good looking resume and a nice ivory laid stock and that I would drop off at all the top advertising agencies. No one was hiring. Uh, there was a hiring freeze. Uh, I, I couldn't crack an entry-level job in advertising. So I kind of meandered around a little bit in business um, and started a, a communications company, which back then I actually called Owlish Productions. And 
just scratched and clawed for any piece of business I could find, which back then was more along the lines of print marketing. Mm -hmm. And then I, I gravitated into the insurance industry. And then from there, when the insurance industry was no longer fun <laughs> and people figured out they could buy the product online and phase out the agent, I just, I was floating around out there. I, I, I really had no concept of who I was in business. I, no real business identity. And that's what LinkedIn has done for me, to be honest with you, is it gave me an identity and thankfully a recognizable one in the business universe because that was lacking for me. And there's something to be said for self-esteem and self-confidence and a, a soaring sense of self-worth when you really feel like you've hit on something. So LinkedIn is just the culmination of something that I've wanted to do all along, and that's own my own business. I love it. Diddy, you've been awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Michelle, you've been awesome. This yeah. was fun. Did you have fun? I always I like to ask my hosts if they had fun interviewing me. I'm a good <laughs> interview. I'm a damn you good are. interview, aren't I? You are. You're fabulous. Would you like me to write up an article for you? for your? Oh, LinkedIn? please do. You know, there's, there's <laughs> interestingly, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you all with this, and that is, we're all being told by the gurus and the self-declaring experts and the thought leaders and the mavens and the Sherpas to, to do this or that. And, uh, you know, people feel they should have podcasts or they should uh, have a, a live show or, or they should be on all platforms doing all things. And, you know, with podcasts, um, I've been a broadcaster since 14 years old when I joined my freshman, uh, during my freshman year at high school, I joined my high school radio station. And it's hard to do this. It's hard to create content. It's hard to go in front of a microphone and talk to people and make a conversation compelling enough where people will lean in and stop what they're doing. And kudos to anyone who can do it. There's what, 3 million podcasts in the world now. It, 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 I mean, but they're fun. They're good. They, they serve a purpose. They allow us to tell our stories from a different angle which I, I believe is one of the great rewards of the pandemic is that we've all kind of self-assessed and brought ourselves out there in a, in a much more front and centered way. So kudos to you for having a great podcast, allowing me to tell my story from a, kind of a different perspective, have a little fun with it. And, and I think that that's, that's the key in all of this is you make lemonade every day, right? <laughs> as the cliche goes and you want to make lemonade with people who have fun making their lemonade so so together we've got some kick-ass lemonade going out there <laughs> i love that awesome thank you jd for your time i appreciate it and i know how valuable it is my pleasure thank you michelle peeps this is michelle nedelec thank you for being here with us today be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends we love helping entrepreneurs grow are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.